in the real world, real jobs beat notional jobs. Um, hey, thanks, Naomi. Coming to you from deep inside our lofty, heavily fortified bunker, located somewhere in the heart of Middle Earth, the show that doesn't shy away from tough questions or tough answers. Sit back, turn on your brain, and get ready for truth. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody has to do it. This is the David Allen Show. Hey, uh, that's us. Uh, April 29, 2017. Uh, episode 55, double fives here. Wow. Be double nickels, I think. Wow. Woo! Yay, we yeah. made it. 55 episodes, everybody. It. This is uh, the David it. Allen Show. We, uh, we're we listening in. We're um, heroes is what we are. We're listening in to um, a Canadian, Naomi Klein, um, talking live right now via um, the objective uh, Democracy Now!, but yeah. unbiased, objective uh, reporting right here from Amy Goodman, who on the ground a moment ago said, tell all your friends, oh, this is happening. The global warming, the people's climate march is happening, and we're reporting live for nine straight hours. Hurry, hurry, tell your friends it's happening. I think she was a little bit more urgent in her tone, though. <laughs> I think you're right. So Naomi Klein is telling us how uh, any kind of any fossil fuel is bad. 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 So you're saying any type of fossil fuel is bad. Fool. Fuel. Yes. Fool. You'd be a fool to use any type of fossil fuel. Yes. That's bad. Energy justice. Justice. Energy justice. No justice. No peace. Earlier today in this lovely march, they called for. They said it was climate justice. Are you kidding me? What What would that uh, allude to? That we've harmed the climate? Yep. Like like against the law. Well, it kind of is rape, right? Oh. So. So there you go. It, it, you know, it's rape. What? What? Are we going straight up definition? Yeah. Okay. Never mind then. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Naomi. I don't care. Um, yep. I don't want to hear the, the drivel. Utter drivel. I think they're, they're not showing the crowd. So it's quite likely there's no one here. Or maybe like, you know, 100 people or something. Is Bill Nye the science geek there, guy? Bill Nye the science, science guy? denier? Yeah. So I, I think it would be fair to call him an actual science denier. Yeah. Because, let's see if I can find it here. <clears throat> this, um... And he's <sighs> not a scientist. No. He has a degree in mechanical no, engineering. Mechanical engineering, yep. So this from Glenn Beck's uh, website... Uh, way back in the 1990s, Bill Nye, the so-called science guy, taught his this strange scientific phenomenon about chromosomes determining the sex of a child. Based on this obscure theory, there were only two possible outcomes, either male or female. It was settled science back then in the dark <laughs> ages. <laughs> yeah. Based on this, his latest teachings, the graduate in mechanical engineering probably needs a new moniker. Bill Nye, the science denier guy. <laughs> Uh, this a uh, a breakdown of back and forth. So Glenn says on his show. Uh, so Bill Nye, the science guy, who is not a scientist, this is a Disney creation, is now doing something on Netflix where he is talking about the science you can, you choose, 
Don't know the science of, you can and choose your own gender. Unfortunately for Bill Nye, the science guy, when he was actually talking about science, it went a little something like this. This is from the original science show, Bill Nye, the science guy. Here's the voiceover. I'm a girl. Could have just as easily been a boy, though, because the probability of becoming a girl is always one in two. See, inside each of our cells are these things called chromosomes, and they control whether we become a boy or a girl. Your mom has two X chromosomes in all of her cells, and your dad has one X and one Y chromosome in each of his. Before you're born, your mom gives you one of her chromosomes, and your dad gives you one of his. Mom always gives you an X, and a dad gives you an X too, and then you become a girl. But if he gives you his Y, then you become a boy. See, there's only two possibilities. Do you think he was just in denial back then? Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that's exactly what it was. Uh, and, um, you know, I'm a little disappointed, a little disheartened at his, uh, hypocrisy. <laughs> um, really? Yeah. You know, being for science, and then it turns out the hypocrite actually doesn't believe in science, mm. and it's a little disheartening for for a lot of people. I think this is current. So, what do you think the most important limited resource? Whoa, 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 whoa! Naomi Klein, shut your mouth, Naomi. Naomi Klein. Hey, stop mansplaining. I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that. You talk about food, uh, you talk about water. Well, there's another one that we sometimes forget about when we're talking about population, and that's one that I think you're going to also talk about in this show, which is the atmosphere's ability to absorb our greenhouse gases without uh, disrupting the climate in a violent way, right? So most of my own work is on... Um, could we actually think about population as a vari variable to be addressed in mitigating and adapting to climate change? So you're saying that, uh, if I understand this, the statistics or the uh, actuarial numbers of population affect the climate. He's um, using big what? words just to sound cool. The statistics or the actu actuarial population? Yeah, it goes on. Population is one of the main drivers of climate change. Oh, hey, so that's a problem. So kill off most of the people. Yeah. So Rachel uh, wrote a very important report that talks about this. So when it's climate change, there are individual emitters, and there's a lot of us doing the emitting. And so the people who have the highest fertility rate, like in Niger, are doing almost no emitting. Right, so they burn some charcoal now and then. Oh, well, so no, the every day to, lot to live. Oh, so they have to kill us off. I think so. Yeah, because not the yeah. people yeah. that have a high fertility rate. Correct. Point one metric tons of carbon annually. How many does the average American emit? I did that with my coffee this morning. <laughs> yeah. 16 metric tons wow. is so what the average is. 160 times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Exactly. And so our two kids are way more problematic. The Nigerians with uh, an average seven children are not the problem when it comes to So, genius, go dump your kids in the ocean then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So should we have policies that penalize people for having extra <laughs> kids in the developed world? Um, so like I do think China? that we should at least consider it. Well, at least wow. consider it is like, do it. 
one of the things that we could do that's kind of least policy-ish is we could encourage our culture and our norms to change, right? I would take issue with the idea that we do anything to incentivize fewer children or more children. I think it's all about, this is where it's justice, it's human rights. We're really clear people should have the you know, number of children they want, the timing of children. In so what happened there is the producer said, oh, quick, jump in there, save us, yeah. hurry, save us. Yeah. We can't have this out there. If some families have five or six children, God bless them. I mean, that's fine. Oh, but just, what, God? Just, what have you done? What have you done? <sighs> Yeah, but most people end up with fewer. But when you talk about penalties, who are you going to end up penalizing, All right? So yes. even in a rich country like the United States, we've gone down that road before. Okay. And who ends up being the people who are penalized? The poor people. Poor women. Margaret Sanger. <laughs> Minority How women. Are they penalized? Disabled women. There's been, you know, there was forced sterilization that was legal in the Margaret United States Singer. even up into the 70s. Margaret so Singer. So we really have um, Planned Parenthood. not yes. come at it from a place of justice necessarily in the past. So we've not come at it from a place of justice in the past, apparently. A place of justice. That's all right. You just break it. It's cool. No, but Sorry, it's not David a, across the table is um, breaking. Stuff. I'm furious. Yeah. I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Bill Nye, the science denier guy. I think I like that term. Ooh, yeah. Has a new show on the Netflix. Oh, huh. does he still do that other show? Oh no, no, no! Because then he would have to be talking truth. Hmm. Huh. This show is called Bill Nye Saves the World. Talk about egotistical. On Friday, February, April 21, 2017, Netflix, la Netflix launched all 13 episodes of the new original series, Bill Nye Saves the World, starring, of course, the bow-tied Bill Nye. Ugh. Nye is known for his popular 1990s children's TV show, Bill Nye the Science Guy. Ugh. And this new show appears to be aimed at those kids who are now millennials and brainwashed from college. Oh, wait, that wasn't in there. Um, who are now millennials and grew up watching his show. Uh, a talk show for science? So it's a talk show for science. Bill yeah, Nye saved but the world. nobody seems... watch it. The only people that watch it are the same people that would show up at this Justice for the Climate march or whatever. You know? Yeah, so all the millennials that watched him. So they. So here's here's what happened. They had, but I don't think a lot of people watch this guy. I mean, what's what's his ratings? He's on television, so they must be good. So was Rachel Maddow. Oh yeah, she's killing it. <laughs> well, okay. Um Oh man, sorry, side note. I tried to watch tried to watch the interview with Bruce Jenner and Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, I got through maybe I don't even think a minute of it and had to stop. It's so is farcical a word? Okay, yeah. A joke? Yeah. It was outrageous that this guy is parading around as a girl and doesn't even try to sound like a girl. Supposedly, he's whacked off his junk and made it for real. But change your voice, buddy. Are you kidding? There's nothing in his, in his audibleness that he says. If you just were to listen, he's Bruce Jenner talking. And yet when you look at him, you think, this guy is a mocking women. He is a joke trying to dress like women and sort of look like women, but he makes no attempt to sound like a woman. Yeah. 
weird. Anyway, I, I couldn't stomach it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. That very first comment, when I paused the stupid YouTube video and looked at the comment, I couldn't get through 48 seconds of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not the only one. Uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, saves the world. <clears throat> Despite being aimed at adults, many episodes contain segments that come across as rather childish with cheesy and often inappropriate songs, skits, and demonstrations performed by various special guests, including athletes, comedians, actors, and others. The show contains a good deal of crude humor and various vulgarities, including taking God's name in vain. This is certainly not a children's show, nor is it intended to be. It's styled as a talk show for science that intends to debunk popular misconceptions and ex explore various issues from the scientific perspective. Some episodes accomplish this better than others. Rather than presenting a scientific critique of the issue at hand, certain episodes rely on sarcasm and the degradation of those who disagree. The show is not purely about science. In many ways, it pushes a particular interpretation of the evidence and a secular, skeptical worldview. Mm -hmm. The overarching theme of all 13 episodes was trust science. Nye frequently declares, we might even, dare I say, save the world. His show attempts to foster a blind faith in science as the only force that can save the world. And what does Nye mean by save the world? It means he it seems he means the world from humans destroying it via man-made climate change and save humanity from many of our problems such as disease, violence, infertility, and population growth. Now, science can and has done amazing things. Many of these accomplishments Accomplishments, developments, and discoveries such as pain relievers, the MRI, and organ transplants have bettered our physical lives. Air conditioning. And, ex and even extended our lifespans. But while we can use science to fight the physical effects of the curse, the curse, it can take away the curse. Sorry, it cannot take away the curse entirely. The problems we see in our Western society and in other societies do not stem from a lack of trust in science or science education. They all have one root problem. Scientism. Sin. Oh, okay. Or that. Sin is even the root problem for the troubles we see in nature. Yep. In Romans 8.28, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Every one of us is a sinner. And this sin impacts everything that our treatment of the planet to our from our treatment to the planet to our treatment to each other. And because we are all sinners, we all deserve death. The only solution is that sin and death is that this sin and death problem is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can find new and eternal life in Jesus through his death and resurrection. Bill Nye won't ever accomplish his lofty ambition of saving the world. He might convince some people of his views, but the job of saving the world has already been accomplished. By the all-powerful creator. You're here. This written by, uh, or t taken from an article on AnswersInGenesis.org. Oh. <clears throat> I was just thinking of one, um, one thought when it comes to the, uh, the creation of the world. You know, you have the, um, old earth, young earth. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that they don't necessarily talk about, but it's not something that's that's provable, is um, isn't it? Couldn't it just be as 
um, when man sinned, that it fundamentally reorientated all of creation. Why not? Why not? And so what what we see, that's why, I mean, it's not something that you can prove. And, you know, just looking back, you can't see that. But Mm -hmm. when sin entered into the world, if it reoriented everything, I mean, laws of physics and everything. Um, <clears throat> That's an interesting thought. Mm-hmm. Yale. Is that where, like, Swedish people go? Is a college to jail? Anyways, what? when you do something bad, you go to Yale. Yeah. <laughs> On Tuesday. Members of a Yale graduate student union showing their grit and metal began a hunger strike outside of the university president's home to force the university to start collective bargaining. Oh, I just, I, I just wish <laughs> that there would be a president of one of these universities that had the cojones to like go out with a huge sandwich and eat it in front of them and ask, "So, what are you doing?" <laughs> Want some? No. I just, that would be awesome. Now, of course, he'd lose his job the next day, but. It would be great, great video. Oh, I know. Ah, I mean, if you could do television. that, I mean, you, you'd be on talk shows for a long time. Just start your own talk show on Fox or something. <laughs> well, I Fox think that would is getting be dismantled soon. So. Okay, whatever the new um, iteration the is. The new Fox. Um, th- that profile in Courage. Of this hunger strike. What? <laughs> courage? It's courage to do a hunger strike in front of this guy's house. Well, huh. uh, so supermodels are some of the most courageous people absolutely. on the planet. Absolutely. Okay. That profile in courage was marred by one tiny detail. If a student got hungry, he or she was permitted to leave to get something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. <laughs> Woo! We're doing a hunger strike just in this, you know, twenty by twenty yard area. No food (laughs) will be eaten here. Wow! Uh, The Yale News uh, dot com, Yale Daily News, local thirty three members begin hunger strike. Um, Has there ever, in the history of the United States, been? A huge subset of a generation that is just wussies. <laughs> and they're dumb. Eight members of but the But they're graduate- pansies. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Eight members of the Graduate Student Union Local 33 began an indefinite collective fast on in front of University President uh, Peter Solovey's That'll home learn them. on Tuesday in an effort to persuade Yale to begin collective bargaining. Uh, Local 33 chair... <clears throat> Uh, Aaron Greenberg, anyway, there's a list of names, who cares? Um, what Yale could not stop, they are cynically trying to slow. Greenberg read from a pamphlet distributed at the rally. Yale wants to make us wait and wait and wait until we give up and go away. We have committed ourselves to waiting without eating. Earlier this month, Local 33... Just right here, though. A subgroup of the International Labor Union Unite Here demanded that Yale begin labor negotiations on April 25. On April 21, 41 ballots in the political science and East Asian languages and literatures department that were, quote, under challenge um, with the National Labor Relations Board were thrown out 
The decision brought the, no the number of departments unionized via Local 33 in the Graduate School of Arts of Science from 6 to 8. At Tuesday's protest, Unite Here, Vice President and Democratic National Committee Vice Chair uh, Maria Elena Durazo told Local 33 members and supporters that she stands in solidarity with them. I'm sure she does. I came That's to thank great. you and congratulate you for not waiting, she said. Yale wants you to wait. Those in power always want the rest of us to wait. Refusing to wait is how the rest of us get power. In a statement to the news, university spokesman Tom Conroy described Local 33's bargaining request as premature and said the hunger strike was, quote, unwarranted by the circumstances. The university cannot compel anyone to refrain from this activity, but strongly urges that students not put their health at risk or encourage others to do so. Local 33 and Yale are currently engaged in multiple legal disputes and have not begun any official negotiations. The university's request for review uh, of the NLRB decision that allowed Local 33 to hold elections in nine separate departments remains pending in court. Yale's legal team is also attempting to file a request to review or for review, which would challenge an August NLRB ruling that graduate students at private universities qualify as workers. In a video detailing the eight graduate students' fast, Mo said he hopes the fast will, quote, convey the urgency of the situation to the university. The video included statements of support from James Lawson, strategy committee chair of the 1968 Memphis sanitation workers' strike, and Dolores Huerta, 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 co-founder of the National Farm Workers Association. Nicholas Vincent, graduate uh, 2017, apparently. I don't know. The chairman of the Graduate Student Assembly said he was surprised that Local 33 had resorted to a hunger strike and expressed hope that the eight students participating would receive proper medical supervision. <laughs> a hunger strike is a thing that comes to mind for prisoners who are being mistreated, he said. I think it's not outlandish to say that they're putting themselves in considerable harm for this. That from there, um, what courage Conroy informed the Daily Caller yesterday in Bineca Plaza without seeking the required approval to hold a demonstration there. Local 33 erected a large tent structure, a tent like structure, as part of what is said. It said it would be an ongoing indefinite protest. Structures are not permitted in that space, and the individuals who were demonstrating were notified today that it is in violation of the university policy, jeopardizes the safety of demonstrators and others, and needs to be removed. Uh, so, <clears throat> Twitter. Twitter. Find the Twitter article. Oh, it's gone. Um, Dimitri Halikius. Hal Hal <laughs> uh, Halikius. Dimitri Halikius. Yes. Wrote on Twitter. Update: The Yale grad student union is holding a symbolic in quotes uh, hunger strike. They eat when hungry. It's still. It's still. <laughs> it's still inspirational. Not a real yeah. hunger strike. Yeah. It's symbolic. <laughs> Don't worry, people. <laughs> it went hungry. Oh. This, this is the future leaders of our world. Wow. 
Hmm. Uh, oh, 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 we might as well jump right here for real quick. Um, Joan Rivers. Yeah. Is dead. Yeah. Yeah. She's dead. What did she do near the end of her life? Hold on. Let's not. Uh, let's see. You mean what did she? Nope. <clears throat> you mean what caused her death? Other than her heart stopped beating. Okay. Um, okay. That's the leading cause of death, I think, in the world. But the leading, yeah, leading, yeah, yeah. Head removal is another, but <clears throat> I don't know what the leading, unless you're ISIS. Well, but it leads to your heart. Miss Rivers, how are you? You made you made a ton of news officiating the wedding in New York yesterday. Is this like a is this like a new uh, cottage uh, career move for you? I'm so excited. Okay. And I should do very well because I don't show. And do you think that the country will see the first the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman well, we president? We already have it with Obama, so let's just calm down. Got it. You know Michelle uh, is a trans. Uh, I'm sorry, she's a what? <laughs> Transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was 2014, I believe. Really? When did she die? Uh, oh, she died just like right before that, right? Right after that. I mean, actually, yeah, not very right soon. Yeah. <laughs> well, a new biography about former President Barack Obama reveals that he had, quote, considered gayness. During his college years, the new biography titled Rising what? Star, The Making of Barack Obama, contains Pulitzer Prize winner David Garrow telling the tale of Obama's friendship with an openly gay assistant professor at Occidental College named Lawrence Golden. According to the Daily Caller, Gar Garrow writes that Golden made a huge impact on Barry Obama. There's a quote from the Daily Caller. Almost a quarter century later... Asked about his understanding of gay issues, Obama enthusiastically said, quote, My favorite professor my first year in college was one of the first openly gay people I knew. He was a terrific guy with whom Obama developed a friendship beyond the classroom. Right. And Obama <laughs> says that Golden's influence made him think about his sexuality, but ultimately decided against the less challenging and demanding homosexual relationship and decided to stay straight, which goes flies in the face of every argument that the, the liberals will try. Uh, three years later, Obama wrote somewhat elusively to his first intimate girlfriend that he had thought about and considered gayness, but ultimately had decided that a same-sex relationship would be less challenging and demanding than developing one with the opposite sex. But there is no doubting that Golden gave 18-year-old Barry a vastly more positive and uplifting image of gay identity and self-confidence than he had known in oh Honolulu. Oh, gosh. Garrow was asked on the, Jam the Jamie Weinstein show whether or not Obama actually attempted any kind of physical relationship with the same sex, to which Garrow replied, quote, I think anyone and everyone no matter what their role in life, deserves a certain basic degree of privacy in that context. So I'm going to go on a limb and say Joan Rivers may have been killed for uh, outing. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> because why not, right? Wow. Wow. <laughs> oh. 
So, Bill Clinton was the first black president. Bury the first gay. That's exciting news. Living on the road, my friend, was gonna keep you free and clean. And now you wear your skin like iron, and your breath is hard as kerosene. Weren't your mama's only boy, but her favorite one, it seemed. She began to cry. Surgeon Sergio Canavero will undertake the first human head transplant later this year in China. The doctor told German magazine Oom in an article published Thursday. And following that effort, he will revive a cryogenically frozen brain and transplant it into a donor body within the next three years. Man. The plans, completely disconnected from reality and the state of modern medicine, are at least in line with his previous outlandish goals and dubious animal research. Canavero made headlines in the past few years by claiming that transplanting the whole head of a human onto a donor body is currently possible. A Russian man suffering from a spinal muscular atrophy malady called Wernigehoffman disease even publicly volunteered for the procedure. As proof that the transplant could work, Canavero published gruesome experiments in 2016, said to have repaired the severely injured spinal cords of mice, rats, and a dog. The experiments came complete with cringeworthy video of recovering animals struggling to drag their limp bodies around. Yet the study lacked controls, detailed methods, and data on the injuries and recoveries. Canavero claimed to perform a head transplant on a monkey, but did not publish the experiment. Man. So then there's hope for Democrats. (laughs) (laughs) 
So riddle me this. Okay. Let's say you could bring back a brain from the depths. From the depths. The depths. Not the Johnny Depths, but the depths. Um, if you could bring back a brain from Frozen. Yeah. And it would work. Yeah. Would that... That would have to totally transform the person. What do you mean? Well, a speech pattern. Um, well, your knowledge would be totally different. Assuming all that's stored in the brain, which it yep. is. Yep. That'd be creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. But hey, let's try it. I know. I'm in. Because the, the philosophy is if we can do it, let's do it. Mm-hmm. If it's possible to do it, then we should do it. Gills and people would be <clears throat> handy. Yeah. No? No? Yeah. What about wings? And they're back. You know, like angel kind of thing. I know, but, th- but the, m- the muscle structure would have to be totally different, wouldn't it? Well, I think the bones would. I think the bones would have to be a lot lighter. Because I think, you know... Are we really getting into this kind of, this conversation? Well, we are. <laughs> Actually, you know, if you were to take this muscle on the left side of the, the the lateral left, and you you would take that and you would incision there, and then you could put a ball joint and a piston sticking out. Oh, yeah. Scotus, Scotus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of head transplants. <laughs> Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg laments over recent Democratic obstruction in the Senate. During a forum hosted at Georgetown University on Thursday, Supreme Court Justice RBG... How old is she? 100. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 84. Okay. Lamented I didn't over ask you recent... how old she looked, I asked. Okay. Yeah. The recent brutal battle to confirm Neil Gorsuch to the high court. Ginsburg, who was confirmed to the court in August 1993 by a vote of 96 to 3, noted during her remarks that her confirmation process garnered bipartisan support, even from staunch Republicans like Orrin Hatch of Utah, that despite her career with the American Civil Liberties Union, which is widely seen as a liberal organization prior to her nomination to the D.C. Appellate Court in 1980, that's the way a Supreme Court nomination and confirmation process should go, she said. What I remember was the collegiality, the civility of those hearings, that entire process, she said. For Justice Breyer, who came one year after, it was pretty much the same, a collegial atmosphere. Watching the most recent confirmations, I wish there was a way that we could wave a magic wand and get back to the way it was and the way it should be. Ginsburg explained that the person she believes is most happy to see Gorsuch on the court is Associate Justice Alina Kagan, who prior to Gorsuch's confirmation was the High Court's most junior justice. That position comes with unique responsibilities, such as being the head of the kitchen committee, taking notes and answering the door when the justices meet in private. Now that Gorsuch is on the bench, those responsibilities are his. During her remarks, Ginsburg also touched on her relationship with Antonin Scalia, who suddenly died last year and was succeeded on the court by Gorsuch. As she has often said, her good friend Scalia passed. Ginsburg reminded the forum that two people who are ideologically op- opposites can still be the best of friends. 
Two people who disagree about very important things can still very much enjoy each other, she said. Hmm. You think that's true? Yeah, I think it's true. It, But it, <clears throat> you have to set your beliefs aside and value the other person for being the other person. But I don't, I think that's not a common response. Mm. I mean, I think it, um, in some ways it's maybe it's switched. Don't you think in the fifties and the sixties, the average person, if they were very, uh, liberal, um, maybe more conservative people would tend to shun them. Now I think it's flipped on its head. Now, if you're a liberal and you have a conservative friend, the liberals like a billion times more likely to shun or defriend conservative person than the other way around. <clears throat> oh, I, yeah, I, I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, unfortunate, <clears throat> sad but true. No, cancel that button. Sorry, the computer woke up. Ah, go back to sleep. Yeah. Ooh, Sandy Patty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Neil Gorsuch, who officially became Supreme Court Associate Justice Monday, a couple weeks ago, is learning that life as the junior justice on the U.S. Supreme Court comes with some unique responsibilities. I wonder if he gets hazed by the rest of them. <laughs> I think that's it. <laughs> Prior to serving on the Supreme Court, Gorsuch served as an appellate court justice with the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals for a decade. His job now will involve much of the same duties, listening to oral arguments, writing legal opinions, weighing on legality of criminal and civil laws, among other things that a justice typically does. Only now Gorsuch... Is a member of a nine-person team, which who whose decisions are this is Metallica, right? Literally the law of the land. Sorry. Chaos. When the jurists meet in private, such as when deciding which cases to hear and discussing oral arguments, Kagan said it's also the jurors, jurors, junior justices' job to take the notes. Uh, Really? Don't they have have clerks? Yeah. The third unique task, which Kagan says was the most important junior justice responsibility, is to open the door to the inner meeting room where the justices gather in private. Really? I wonder... When uh, Kagan got in there, I wonder if she did it, or did she say, "Oh, oh, you have the woman to, you know, open the door." You know what I mean? I would hope that in that instance, if there's so much precedent set that it's just clear, it doesn't matter. You wear the black robe, you get to do it. You're the young guy, girl, whatever. 
Oh. Oh, it's oh, it's got to be a guy. It's like if you're in the Air Force, everyone says, "I'm an airman." Male or female. Okay. I'm an air person. That's where it's going to go. <laughs> uh, Kagan explained, literally, if I'm in like the middle of a sentence, let's say it's my turn to speak or something, and there's a knock on the door, everybody will just stare at me, waiting for me to open the door. Not anymore? No, not anymore, because now it's Gorsuch's problem. All right. That'll learn him. That'll learn him. That's right. The junior justice is also in the position of always going last, Kagan said. That's because the Supreme Court runs on seniority. But when giving opinions in private or discussing a case, Kagan said the chief justice is first to speak, and then each justice speaks in the order of their seniority. Meaning for the foreseeable future, Gorsuch will be last at everything. (sighs) Poor man. Kagan said the responsibilities are like a form of hazing, but all in jest as a way to appreciate the great job. She did say that. Justices have, yep. So I was right. They they do haze people. (laughs) It's unclear how long Gorsuch will be on kitchen and no-taking duty. Kagan did it for more than six years, and before that, Justice Sotomayor had it for only 364 days. Man, it's sad, but true. I'm fascinated by their whole production. That band. Metallica? <coughs> Metallica. Medical. Med- med- medical. Medical-ica? Why? Because they're so good at what they do? Well, the production level is dynamite. Like, their pro- the, the production team that runs their show uh-huh. is amazing. When they do shows in the round, so in the middle of, the th- of a big stadium, and they have a full 360 stage... There are 12 microphones that James can sing at all around. He doesn't have guitar pedals. He's got a guy off stage that has a whole rack full of his sounds. So he knows based on where it's going to be in the song, the right sound has to come out. So a guy is running that for him. For all all guitars, both guitars, bass player, there's a tech off stage running the sound of their gear. Wow. That's pretty good, right? Oh, it's fantastic. Well, it's outrageous, actually. But yes, it's amazing. So they value good sound. I think so. And some of their stuff is just terrible to listen to. Like, I don't like the kind of music a lot of it is. But um, 
listening to their sound engineer talk. It's insane. Huh. They have hundreds of speakers that they hang in a big, a big show like that. It's just mind blowing. Well, I just, I find that, yeah, that's crazy how, uh, how the, you know, they come in and how long does it take to set set everything up? Oh, they do, a day. A full day? Yeah. With a crew of how many people. Huh. But with, I mean, nowadays with the, the, so much digital analyzation you can have, you can build out the specs of the room and know exactly where position everything is to go, what angles they need to lay at for best coverage. Mm-hmm. And then you fine tune it as you go. The band's set is done. Like in the mixer, it's done. You just recall a preset and then you just adjust. So the set, the preset up is outrageous. This is why they rehearse for weeks and months sometimes. So there's very little spontaneity? Zero. I, huh. I, I, would, I would surmise there's zero spontaneity. Because you have, I mean... Unless they have like different, like five different sets, they plan in spontaneity, but it's not really spontaneity. Well, but you know, like calling a play in a football game or something. Mm -mm. No, that's all laid out beforehand. Hmm. It has to be because you have light cues that match songs. You have audio cues that match. You've got to know. So so the transition between everything has to be known. We're going to be in Des Moines, so we're going to do this template. And then tomorrow we'll be in Philadelphia and we'll do this other template. But a big big show like that where you've got, you know, these people are making a million bucks a show. Yeah. The band. Is that Um, all? For the whole band? Yeah. That's a lot of money per show. Yeah, but I mean, they have a hundred shows. You got... what five four guys yeah and then all the people i mean it's i but the people make it paid separately mm. yeah find out how much they make per per show that was the actual keyboard that <laughs> <laughs> this from matab to no 2016 Okay, so Metallica and Cage the Elephant played San Francisco AT&T Park February 6, 2016, which was the day before the Super Bowl. Gross sales for the event were $4.3 million. Gross sales. And there were forty-one, more than 41,000 people in attendance. Hmm. Um... So gross sales, Metallica, how much of per... Yeah, see, but the production is going to be half of that cost of production, I would assume. Metallica might not be touring actively, but anytime they play a show, uh, you better believe they're getting massive returns. So they don't... Um, well, be, okay. An they ex- don't tour? An exa- no, they don't. They're doing one now because they, re- they did a few shows. They actually were the second show in the brand new AT&T Stadium or U.S. Bank Stadium in uh, Minneapolis, the Viking Stadium. Uh-huh. They were the second show there. First one was, of course, some lame country act. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Oh, it's true. Thank you. <laughs> um, but for uh, 
just to show you the difference, Metallica, they grossed 4.3 million for that show. Uh, Iron Maiden in April with 24,000 people. Okay, so it's about half. They grossed 2.2. Uh, Iron Maiden in Washington, 843,000. Iron Maiden in I'm Denver, 836,000. <laughs> Black Sabbath. Uh, in Chicago, this is January 16, 1.5 million. Um, how about Adele? What 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 is Alan? What, what, what does what does she make? 1.5 million. Huh. ACDC. I think they should just shut her down. They only have Angus left. Actic. Oh yeah, because old Brian Johnson can't sing anymore. Yep. <laughs> yeah what's the point it, I mean it's like you know Clearwater Revival is that Credence Credence Clearwater Revival. Revival thank you they had um, the lead singer is it John Fogarty okay um, he left the band and so a couple of the original people who didn't sing or anything mm-hmm. um were touring and they used like part of the name and I, I guess okay I, I I don't know how I feel about it I think at a certain point if you're just doing it for the money because you need money mm-hmm. I think people can appreciate that but if you're an artist uh, mm-hmm. I think you know kill that thing just kill it <laughs> come up with something else anyways that's my opinion, in, and in, I'm sticking to it. In 14, before um, Madonna threatened to kill the president, she made a million dollars per show. Ugh. Wow. Adele's was 14. Adele makes 750000 per show. It's quite possibly more now because her she, album bigger. sales are outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Her and Taylor Swift sell albums for some reason. Huh. Don't know why. Yeah. But it's, it, it's nuts. Adele is one of those... She looks like she's like 35 when she was... 28. She's but 28 now. I know, but mm-hmm. but when she really hit it big, she was like 22 or 23, and she looked like she was 35. I know. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. All right. Ready? This no. Is, this is a Q&A. Okay. I mean, there's answers built into this, but we're going to go through this. Uh, my question. My third grade son recently came home in tears, saying he didn't want to go to school anymore because he was punished for talking during silent reading. The teacher kept him in from recess. I think this is horrible. It isn't a teacher's job to destroy a child's love for what? school instead of constant punishment or every for every little infraction. What about using positive reinforcement? What about you shut your mouth? What about social s- services come in and take your kid away, you monster? No. Um, Answer. Wow. I mean, I think <laughs> when I was in elementary school, I think there was... You know, months that I never went outside because I talked so much. <laughs> I mean, one time the teacher put tape over my mouth and took out a belt and belted me to the chair so I wouldn't, like, get up and run around and talk. This uh, article is written by Jody Stallings. Okay. Um. Okay, now, um, <laughs> is David going to lose his mind here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. We'll see. Okay. I'm intrigued because someone posted this on, on the face bag that uh, intrigued me a bit. Okay. Answer. He was in tears for having to miss recess. 
Oh, sweet innocence of youth. Let's hope he never gets a really tough consequence or a boss or a job. Ooh, oh, I like this person. I don't see what the teacher did as either horrible or tear-inducing. My advice would be to have a conversation with your third grader on the topic of coping skills. Because if being kept out of recess has destroyed his love for school, I shudder to think what it's in, what's in store when he gets to algebra. When I was in third grade, I had a full-time job. <laughs> Walked uphill for 10 miles to school every day. Yeah. I had a family... To provide for wife and three kids when I was in third grade. And this was last year, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Positive reinforcement is a polarizing topic among teachers. Many of my elementary school colleagues tell me it works very well. I'll take their word for it, but I'll tell you something that doesn't work in middle and high school. Positive reinforcement. I'm not saying it's all bad, of course. Compliments and certain rewards are very good for the spirit. I'm talking specifically about the widespread use of extrinsic rewards as a means of instilling good conduct. Yeah. One problem is that the rewards for good behavior can't keep pace with children's changing desires. I remember in first grade being highly motivated to get a colorful little handmade award. Handmade award, not a handmade. Handmade award. <laughs> I was like, M-A-I-D? <laughs> wow. A-D-E. A-D-E. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine that kind of thing being as serious? Here, and honey. Deep? Here's your handmade. You don't have to make your bed anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that kind of thing being a serious inducement for a kid who just got 48 likes on his latest Instagram post? Yeah. At a certain point, all of our little trinkets tchotchkes gugas kickshaws and circes okay uh just can't match up to the thrill of clipping your friend in the back of the head with a stinger socializing with the girl next to you during a history lecture or chilling in the hallway while everyone else is in class the positive reward uh would need some serious bank behind it to seduce eighth graders into glorious conform conform Conformity and mass. I had an education professor who once told the story of an old man who was annoyed by some teenagers who walked home every day by cutting through his yard and stomping on his grass. They ignored his yelling, so one day he decided to try positive reinforcement in reverse. He offered the kids a dollar for every day they walked across his lawn. The kids were happy to do it, especially since they had already been doing it anyway, and for a month the man made good on his bargain. One day, he suddenly stopped. (laughs) See where this is going. This is awesome. (laughs) One day, he suddenly stopped paying them and called the deal off. The kids became so disgusted that they refused to walk on his lawn ever again. (laughs) That's what tends to happen to positive reinforcement when extrinsic rewards are removed. The behavior you want to maintain doesn't always stick. It was tied to a reward. Now, untethered, it's free to do whatever it wants. If a kid was earning a candy hit for keeping his locker neat, it's likely that his locker will go to rot as soon as the sugar train stops rolling. And that leads us to the second problem. Schools shouldn't prepare kids for a world that doesn't exist. In real life, citizens aren't rewarded extrinsically for being good citizens. You don't get a bonus check for paying your taxes on time. Cops don't pull you over and hand you a $50 gift certificate for going the speed limit. Nobody throws you a pizza party for not firebombing your neighbors. In real life, there are many things we do simply because they're the right thing to do. 
Does anyone remember the adage, virtue is its own reward? For our children's benefit, we should bring it back into vogue. As for the recess thing, it's not that every school infraction deserves a punishment. It's that children should learn that actions have consequences. Your son has learned that boys who read when it's time to read have the freedom to go play at recess. And those who want to talk at the wrong time lose that freedom. That's basically how it works in the real world, right? Are there some people who don't rob banks because they're afraid of losing their freedom? Yep. Sure, and Me. I'm okay with that. Ideally, though, people don't rob banks because it's the wrong thing to do. Most of us are probably in that category. Even if we knew we could get away with it, we still wouldn't rob banks because it's morally wrong. And that's what should be teaching. That's what we should be teaching our kids. But do you know anyone who wouldn't rob a bank solely because their name would be entered into a drawing for a free set of beats by Dre? <laughs> I don't. But get ready, because that may very well be the future if we don't get back to the paired basics huh. of teaching students that virtue is its own reward and that bad actions have bad consequences. So if it were my child who came home crying that he hated school because he lost recess for talking during reading time, I'd firmly inform him that tomorrow he should stop talking and read. And if he hates school because they took away his recess, he'd better get ready to hate home, too, because if he disobeys the teacher again, there will be consequences here as well. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go pay some kids to get off my lawn. No, that was good. That was actually good. I was getting ready to, like, steal myself and... And, um... I know. Try to deal with the chest pains I'm going to feel because of my blood pressure went dangerously high. Is this English? So this is <laughs> this is the number one song. Uh, sorry, I didn't quite catch the E. It's called "Whippin'" by Kiera. Who's Kiera? Yep, it's the number one song in the Good Vibes playlist. Good vibes, everybody. Whippin' in the car with yo. Oh, so it is English. You didn't catch that? Come on. I don't know why. I did not so catch I, that. So I am a, a fan of um, reality-based training of children. Meaning? Well. Beat your child, he shall not die. Kind of. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it just fascinates me that, that this even has to be said. Oh, my kid, he couldn't go to recess. He's sad. My kid is so sad because you were mean to him as his teacher. Well, really? Man, we had some really bad teachers then when I was... No kidding. I, I once... Spanx. Um, I was homeschooled most of my life. So However, your teachers were monsters. Yeah. Uh, for a brief couple of years, I think kindergarten to third grade... Um, I went to a small school that my mom taught at. So it was kind of, anyway, um, the principal had 
a spanking stick. Mm. Pad, a paddle. A paddle in his office. Paddle. That, that he beat the children beat with? Beat them all. Um, but there were specific consequences that, that or specific actions that brought that. Uh-huh. That happened to me one time. You got beat? Well, beat, no. Now, some would say. You yes, got beat. I didn't get beat. It's like one, two whacks. Yeah. You got beat. But my point, though, is you do that once. Is that all it took for you? <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. No. Of course. Oh. What do you What do you think I am? I'm a, yeah. Okay. I didn't know. So I didn't know. So I didn't know if you were like a hyper kid. No. Who no. laughed in the face of pain? Mm, no. No, I, no I, I didn't do that. I had, um, I remember first grade, one of the, the teacher's aides, <clears throat> she, uh, I don't know, I, I was a, uh, I was kind of uh, hyperactive as a child, and uh, but not as an adult. <laughs> well, yeah, mm-hmm. not as an adult, uh-huh. but as a child I was, and uh, I had a teacher's aide one time squeeze my arm so much so hard that it bled. Her fingernails got into it, so I must have been, you know, just you driving must her crazy. Have been. Yeah. So I just jumped don't mess on, with me. I just jumped onto the the top fifty in top, the US today. Top fifty what? Top fifty songs. Um okay. Out of the first ten, number three Explicit? is the only one I can play. <laughs> Despacito. Despacito Come and move that in my direction. Is this Justin Bieber? It is? I was totally kidding. Wow. That ain't Justin. If I didn't know better, I'd think that was Spanish. <laughs> I'm a worldly man, so I know these things. You're well-traveled, Did he you? just call him up? Okay. Louis Fonzie? Who? Fonzie? Louis Fonzie. The Fonz? Justin Bieber and, and Daddy Yankee. Daddy Yankee? <laughs> Daddy Yankee. His name is Daddy Yankee. Okay. All right. Daddy Yankee. That's right here. This okay. Daddy Yankee. 
Was it a microaggression that it sounds like Bieber's trying to sing this Spanish with him? Oh, yeah. He's appro- misappropriating, misappropriating the, 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 the language. language yeah. yeah. It's not green, girl. Stop what you're doing right now, man. That's actually kind of a clever little hit. It's got a little, little yeah. hook to it. Yeah. Um, going back to dig into Daddy Yankee, this is his number five hit. Actually, it's number two uh, in the plays on the Spotify. It's called Shaky Shaky. <laughs> oh, sorry. Shaky Shaky Shaky. Shaky Shaky Shaky. Shaky, 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 Cool how he can do that with Morimoto? his, you know the. Yeah, that's what happens when you speak that language. It's built into you. Um, the number, uh, sorry, the next un-e song in the top fifty is number eleven. Hey. Bruno Mars. That's what I like. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Number fifty. I can't play either. You can't? No. Whoa. Thanks, Bruno. This is a look into what the kids are listening to. Hmm. The viral 50. What does so, that mean? Um, yes. Number one, Despacito. Number two, uh, Lust for Life. Featuring The Weeknd. Lana Del Rey. Who? Lana Del Rey. Just us These are the most viral tracks in the United States. I don't know if that means they need a vaccine. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what that means. I thought so. Hard times. Number six, Paramore. The number six viral hit. I think I know this drummer. You know the drummer? I think so. Like, personally? Yeah. Never mind. You don't know the drummer? Paramore? Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. All right. The Pope. Pope. Pope, Pope, Pope. The Popo? The police? The Pope. The Independent. C-O. Pope Francis has said the Big Bang Theory is compatible with the Catholic Church's teaching on creation. Speaking to members of the Pontifical Academy of Science, the Pope said it is possible to believe in both, insisting God was responsible for the Big Bang, from which all life evolved. <laughs> the beginning of the world is not the work of chaos that owes its origin to something else, but it derives directly from a supreme principle that creates out of love the Big Bang that today is considered to be the origin of the world does not contradict the creative intervention of God on the contrary it requires it evolution in nature is not in contrast with the notion of divine creation because evolution requires the creation of the beings that evolve the Pope's remarks were in line with the Catholic Church's teaching of the last few decades. So, why would that be inconsistent with um, the Bible, the Big Bang? Big Bang says everything's created out of nothing. So I don't know why that would be inconsistent with what the Bible says, or why this is like a gas shock Kind of. Well, the Catholic Church has long had a reputation for being anti-science. Most famously, when Galileo faced the Inquisition and was forced to retract his heretic theory that the Earth revolved around the sun. Around the sun! But Pope Francis' comments were more in keeping with the progressive work of Pope Pius XII, who opened the door to the idea of evolution and actively welcomed the Big Bang Theory. In 1996, John Paul II went further and suggested evolution was more than a hypothesis, an effectively proven fact. Yet more recently, Benedict the Nine, no, Benedict the Sixteen, and his close advisors have apparently endorsed the idea that intelligent design underpins evolution. The idea that natural selection on its own is insufficient to explain the complexity of the world. In 2005, his close associate Cardinal Schoenburn wrote an article saying, quote, Evolution in the sense of common ancestry might be true, but evolution in the neo-Darwinian sense, an unguided, unplanned process, is not. Giovanni Bignami, a professor and president of Italy's National Institute, for astrophysics, told the Italian news agency Adkronos, quote, The Pope's statement is significant. We are the direct descendants from the Big Bang that created the universe. Evolution came from creation. Giulio Giorello, professor of the philosophy, philosophy of science at Milan's university, Deli Studi, told reporters that he believed Francis was trying to reduce the emotion of dispute or presumed dispute with science. Despite the huge gulf in theological stance between his tenure and that of his, professor, or his predecessor, Francis praised Benedict as he unveiled a bronze bust of him at the Academy's headquarters in the Vatican Gardens. No one could ever say to him that study and science made him and his love for God and his neighbor wither. 
On the contrary, knowledge, wisdom, and prayer enlarged his heart and his spirit. Let us thank God for the gift that he gave the church <laughs> and the world with the existence of the pontificate of Pope Benedict. So, do you believe that we have evolved from a lesser being? No. Do you? No. I think there's no evidence of this. I've seen no evidence that actually holds water. Actually, biologists are finding that... Um, they are finding when they when they look into the cell, they're finding things that there are principles going on in biology similar to similar laws in biology that there are in um, in physics, like the law of gravity and other things. And they're finding that the DNA, the actual DNA, um, is not responsible um, for the architecture of your of a of a body much like bricks are not responsible for the architecture of a house <clears throat> huh so i mean there there's a lot of biologists who believe that um the theory of evolution um is going to dramatically change in the years coming up because they're finding stuff that is not consistent with the theory. <clears throat> so what's not consistent? Um the, their findings in nature. Mm. Well, there's that. Yeah. There is that. And there's that. There's that. So Nancy Pelosi, we know her. Well, I not personally, but I <laughs> I'm thankful okay. for. You're thankful <laughs> that I don't. Um Yeah. Nancy Pelosi. I think it's time for her to be done. Oh yeah. I think she needs to go away. Yep. And Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, for your well-deserved recognitions tonight. To all. Today, the strong moral voice of Refugees International. We degrade our values and our security when we slam the door in the face of children freeing, fleeing atrocities. With the specter Ooh. of famine looming in, over northeast Nigeria, Somalia, South Sudan, and, Yuma, and Yemen, almost slashing the State Department, bu Department budget, and foreign aid budget by 30% would only deepen the crisis fighting, uh, facing the children. children. Children need America to be their champion. Thank you, Refugees International, for your leadership. Thank you for your moral advocacy and your action. Thank you for challenging us to honor our values as a nation. Stroke. Thank you all for the honor to participate this evening. Thank you so much. Uh, there's some something's wrong with her. Yeah, that she can't. Either she can't read or she can't speak. Or maybe it's. Just I think she's too just, much Botox she's and it's there's that paralyzed yeah. her. Mm hmm. Oh. It, not to mock people, but it's interesting. 
Well, too late. <laughs> well, there's that. They're the ones who should be arresting, not me. Why didn't you say that before? Oh, yes. What we got here? Yeah, Mrs. William Klein. He was wrecking an office. But I, I just wanted to meet them face to face. I, I wanted them to admit what they were doing. Who is they? He was in the office of the Trilateral Commission. Trilateral Commission? Yeah, the Trilateral Commission. <laughs> All right, what is the Trilateral Commission? It's an organization founded in 1973 by David Rockefeller to bring together business and political leaders from the United States, Europe, Japan, so they could work together for uh, better economic and political cooperation between their nations. And with that, that's what they'd like us to believe. But you see, what they're really up to is a scheme to plant their own loyal members in positions of power in this country, to work to erase national boundaries and create an international community, and in time, bring about a one-world government with David Rockefeller calling the shots. I take it they're pressing charges? Yeah, well, uh, uh, he broke a globe and, uh, and some UNICEF artwork. Well, they're in on it, too. <laughs> okay, Mr. Klein, if you're just... I'm telling you, our whole way of life as we know it is in jeopardy. I appreciate that information. But I, 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 have, I have the documented evidence. It's all in there. Show him. Well, he's got, uh, got these magazines here. Conspiracy Review. Suppressed Truth Roundup. The whole master plan is exposed. Yeah, well, um... You're still not convinced, huh? <laughs> would, would you like to hear the names of just a few of the people who have been on the Trilateral Commission? Uh, not particularly. James Earl Carter. Heard of him? Look, Mr. Klein... Henry Kissinger. <laughs> you heard of him? <laughs> Walter Mondale. Who? <laughs> Mr. Klein, this is... John all... Anderson. George Bush. Now, you remember at the, at the convention, everybody thought it was going to be Ford for Veep. You know what happened? David Rockefeller just picked up a phone, put in a call. Hey, Ronnie, forget Jerry, it's George. Bye. So, no matter who won in November, they had their man in the White House. Are you through? <laughs> that was on TV. 1981. Yeah, I used to love to watch Barney Miller. <laughs> I don't know what to think. Well, I know what it, that's, uh, there's a term for it. But CIA started in, I think it was in the 50s, to label anybody who was contrary. Oh, conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what they do is, is you let out the information early and you tell the truth, but you do it in a way that's that entertainment. Dis- and it'll yeah. discredit yeah, yeah, the messenger. Yeah. Does anyone notice that? So that's exactly what they did. Why? What do you think? I think if anyone doesn't believe that there is a underhand going on, I just think you're naive. So, question that I always question, have. Question. And I want to ask your opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And that is, are the globalists, are they uh, like, say, is it a satanic organization or is it just power hungry people? You know, cause they have all the talk about the pizza gate and whatnot. 
And that's that's the one that I haven't been able to, at least in my own mind, come to a conclusion on whether or not um, these are just Satan worshipers doing it, like David Rocket, Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because they have... They have to have some kind of worldview that would that would val, uh, value globalism and whatnot. Uh, some kind of socialistic worldview, but but they're all exceedingly rich. So are they communists? Are they predominantly Satan worshippers? Predominantly what? Predominantly Satan worshippers. <laughs> Predominantly Satan worshippers. Uh, but well, that that would have to be somewhere in there, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, or are they are they doing it as part of their religion, or are they doing it um, for the same reason? Like, um, like they inherent do they inherently believe that what they are doing is is to benefit mankind, or are they deliberate? Or is it just self-serving? Yeah, but if it was just self-serving, you wouldn't. Why would you? Why would you try to change everything? To me, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, if you're a billionaire, you don't. Why would you want to rock the boat? You're a billionaire. You well, have if you're all a billionaire, you typically you got there by controlling people. Yeah, you can control so people. Ma- maybe you don't that's have... it. Maybe it's just a egotistical control. But for what purposes? N- nothing more than that. I mean, I have a hard time I have a hard time believing that it could just strictly be for control. Power. Oh man. Okay. Anyways, what were you, what were what's your opinion on it? Are they Satan worshippers? Oh, well, uh sure. You think they're <clears throat> Satan worshippers? I don't know. I don't know what uh, maybe they're no. I don't know. At some point, if we believe the Bible, there has to be a global turning. Yeah. So, I'm kind of of the camp that says this is going that way. This is the this is a move, and so in order to get a you know to get legislatures and, and governments to actually move that direction, you have to control them somehow. So yeah, I guess at the foundation it would have to be uh, evil and satanic. Okay, just wondering. I think it would have to be. You think it would have to be? I think correct because I don't know. Clearly. Um, before we go into the next thing that I have, um, this uh, from April twenty, the social justice warrior. But I, I, I yeah, still, I still have to go back to this though. If it would make sense. That people like David Rockefeller who are doing all these these things to f- uh, further globalism and whatnot. Uh, George Soros, who's behind all the protesting and everything else. 
um, that they are using all of this to promote this globalism. That would make sense, right? But the globalism is necessary in order to have a one-world government. Exactly. Exactly. So then does... For that... satanic purposes. Sure. So then trying to stop it and bring it to light... Is dangerous? No. Oh. No, oh. It, it should be... Uh, a, the whole point of all this should be to to let people know about what's going on This should be a almost a calling mm-hmm. rather than just politics. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so fighting this, you're actually in some ways, if you believe that, in some ways doing God's work. Oh. So then if you are standing up to them? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That's my question. I would think it could be. Okay. Just wondering. Okay. You can go to wherever you're going now. (coughs) (coughs) (laughs) Harumph. Oh, harumph. Yeah. The social justice warrior. They have turned against the tiny house movement. (laughs) Yes. As poverty appropriation. It seems like a week doesn't pass where I don't see something about tiny houses on my Facebook timeline as a reaction to both the disastrous Obama economy and the climate change hysteria. People, generally Brooklyn-style hipsters, are building and living in comically small houses. You'd think an ever smaller, quote, carbon footprint would be a hit across the left, but we all know by now that nothing is ever good enough for the social justice warrior. Because silly houses have apparently become poverty appropriation. That's right. Your goofy home could hurt someone's feelings. This background, this, yeah, this background, this essential part of who I am makes it particularly difficult to stomach the latest trend in simple living. People moving into tiny homes and trailers. How many folks, I wonder, who have engaged in the tiny house movement have ever actually lived in a tiny mobile place? Because... What those who can afford homes call living light, poor folks call gratitude for what we've got. (laughs) And it's not just the tiny house movement that incites my discontent from dumpster diving to trailer-themed bars to haute cuisine in the form of poor household staples. It's become trendy for those with money to appropriate the poverty lifestyle, and it troubles me for one simple reason. Choice. It's likely, from where I sit, that this back-to-nature and boxed-up simplicity is not being marketed to people like me who come from simplicity and heightened knowledge of poverty, but to people who have not wanted for creature comforts for them to try on, glamorize, and identify with. Such appropriation isn't limited to the tiny house trend or even to the idea of simplicity. In major cities, people who come from high-income backgrounds flock to bars and restaurants with that both appropriate and mock low-income communities. Perhaps the most egregious example is San Francisco's Butter Bar, a trendy outpost that prides itself on being true blue trailer park-themed bar, serving the best in trashy cuisine and co- and cocktails. 
with tater tots, microwave food, and deep-fried Twinkies on the menu. The bar also serves cocktails <laughs> that contain cheap ingredients such as Welch's grape soda. The bar has an actual trailer inside and serves cans in paper bags so that bar flies can have a paid-for experience of being what the owners of this bar think of when they think of trailer trash. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> that is Apparently just that's hilarious. Just, they're mocking them. Mocking! I'd like to think this essay means we've reached peak wine, but I don't think humanity is that lucky. While the tiny house thing isn't my cup of tea and some of the prices are ridiculous for the square footage you're getting, so what? It's you, is your life negatively impacted by people living in smaller homes despite being able to afford larger ones? No matter what you do, someone on the left is going to politicize it and attack you. So just go on doing your thing and let them be miserable and move on. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is the David Allen Show, everybody. DavidAllenShow.com. Uh, this April 29. Uh, we've got one more, uh, one or two more things I want to do. But first, a little Glen Fry. Oh. Because you belong to the city, tiny house or not, or trashy bar or not. Would you like a cheap cocktail with Welch's grape soda in it? <laughs>
It always amazes me how many songs came out of the Eagles and out of the members yeah. of Joe the Walsh, Don Henley, Glenn Fry, Joe Walsh. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, uh, I, Randy. He was the bass player. Jackson. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is it? What was his name? He's well, still They alive. went through a bunch of bass players, though. Yeah, but he was an original. He sang um, like the high lyrics on a couple songs. What's his name? Randy, 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 Randy. Uh, I should be able to find it. Randy Till. Eagles. Hold on. Did you find it yet? Man, your your phone types loud nowadays. Oh yeah. So crazy. You have no idea. Here we go. What's his name? Riveting. Oh, uh, sorry. Radio. What? Hello? Yeah. I'm trying to find it. And I'm failing miserably. Clearly. So clear. Come on, where are you? Uh... Sorry. It's horrible. Randy Meisner. Horrible. Yes, thank you. Thank you. He's dead. Oh, no, no, no. No, he's, he's not. not dead. He was the bassist for them from 71 to 77. Yeah, so in the in the big years when they were really making it big. He got bullied a lot by uh, Glenn Fry and Don Henley. Oh, <clears throat> yes. His and, hit. His hit. Hearts on Fire. Oh, Waiting at the bar 
sick one. And a tall one. He likes the tall ones. This would probably be... Take It to the Limit. That's the song that he used to sing. Take It to the Limit. So that was the... The the Eagles one? Yeah, Take It to the Limit. He's the the vocalist for that song. Oh, yes. And it was their first major hit. Or million-selling single. Neath. Neath. For me. For me. Yes, I know. One more time. Take it to the limit. I watched a documentary on the Eagles. I know I've talked about it on the show before, but um, it's like three hours long. Oh. It's amazing. The The... The amount of rocker lifestyle they lived, and yet this is the style of music they played. Yes, yes. It was like <laughs> it was like country, but not. Yeah, yeah. And they were like womanizing, like drugs, rip apart hotel rooms. They were horrible. Like, and they play in like flannel shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like terrible. You know, you think of bands being bad. The Eagles. Yeah. Well, Don, like Don Don Henley is a total tool. Yeah. Well, Joe Walsh when he came on board, he was the guy that would actually destroy hotels. Yeah, but he was kind of a more of a good-natured kind of person. Don <laughs> Henley was oh, he was Machiavellian. Just a he was just a jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like this guy was, I mean, he took drugs and everything, but he was he was a gentle soul. Where the other ones were. Show me the sign. How many more times? One more time. Oh, a bunch of times. A bunch of more times. Yeah, he's not done. He's taking it to the limit. Yeah, he is. You can do that with a car once. He's taking it. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Arm. Right arm. All right. So, um. All right. All right. All right. This was posted by someone I know. Oh. Okay. Sorry, we're gonna. Now I need to take a minute here. Now I'm. I'm sorry. I heard. Two words, and I'm I, I'm gonna ha- probably have to mock it. I can't. Is okay. it bad? Okay, so I don't want you to mock it. I want to go actually okay. go to the. You may have to take notes. Um, <laughs> do you have? No, <laughs> no, for real. Because there's a couple things that I'm curious about. Okay. 
Um, and it's seven minutes long. Okay. Um, this was a kid who I knew in high school here. Okay. In in the town I live in. Um. And is currently in college. And th- this I'll was just say- for a speech. Like he had to give a speech. Um, like in through a, with a bunch of people, and this is via Skype. Um, so he's sitting at a computer, and he happened to put his phone up beside the computer. Um, so he gave the speech live via Skype to the classroom or to the teacher. Or oh, whatever. okay, okay. Then I right. then I retract my mocking. I thought this was. It sounded like, from what he said right at the beginning, like he was going to set Facebook straight. You know, you know. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I I see where you get that. I see it. Okay. Because um, he said hello Facebook or something. Hey Facebook, everybody. Yeah. Anyways, I apologize. Hey Facebook for jumping to conclusions. Hey Facebook, getting ready to give my speech for school. Um, and I'm up next. So the person in front of me is just finishing up, and uh, I'll be up next. Okay, sorry. So what's happening is he's apparently waiting for the live right, cue to go. Time. Um, all right, so he's going to go. He's getting the go-ahead in his ears, his headphones, and go. Starting here in just oh, a nope. few seconds. Ready? Uh, okay, and now um, cut to they cut to Skype. Like Ready? Uh, everyone go. Ready? And I hope so anyway. Um, three, two. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, we got Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Go. Perfect. Three. Okay. Two. Yeah, I can hear you now. The right-wing conservatives that think it's a decision, and you can be cured with some treatment and religion, a man-made bewiring, rewiring of a predisposition, plain God. Ah, nah, here we go. America the brave still fears what we don't know, and God loves all his children, is somehow forgotten, but we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. The song Same Love by Macklemore describes an issue that we see if we still need to, to stop this and day very chat, we can about same-sex marriage. And although it was legalized in the U.S. back in June of 2015, it is still an issue that we have to talk about today. Why? And so I'm here to affirm that same-sex marriage should be and should remain legal in the U.S. And I'm going to support this with three main points. First, denying same-sex marriage is discrimination. Second, love is a basic human right for all people and is recognized internationally. And third, marriage is about love, not just having babies. So back to the first point. Denying same-sex marriage is discrimination. We have many laws in the U.S. that discriminate in the workplace and in housing okay. industries. And a we point. agree with I all got a those. Point. So, um, so then... Uh, you're discriminating against people when they take crystal meth and heroin. Elaborate on that. Well, um, they want to, they're not hurting anybody. Oh. So why, why not allow that? But it's illegal. Uh-huh. Or gambling. Uh, gambling whenever you want. That's not hurting anybody. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so so they're discriminating. So you're saying so he's saying that the government does not have the right to discriminate against speeding. I'm not hurting anybody when I'm speeding. Mm. So the government doesn't have a right to discriminate against certain types of behavior. Is that right? 
But that's against the law. Well, Speed I know. against it, the law. Well, otherwise known as discrimination. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so the government doesn't have a right to discriminate. So if I want to kill myself or mm. if I want myself to be eaten by somebody, mm-hmm. who's it hurting? That's what I want. Oh. You know? Why should same-sex marriage be any different? <laughs> now, huh? There's a couple of reasons there. <laughs> I, so I called it then. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Keep keep going. As well as discrimination based on sexual orientation, gay marriage bans discriminant based on one's sex as explained by david s cohen jd associate professor at the drexel university school of law imagine three people mm-hmm. nancy bill and tom have you imagined them oh hold on <laughs> nancy nancy bill and tom oh okay and discrimination mm-hmm. um same-sex marriage you can't by any stretch of logic deny polygamy bigamy incest um uh pedophilia maybe down to 10 8 you know because they're more and more mature so if an 8 year old wants to marry a 52 year old or if an 8 year old wants to marry another 8 year old or yeah right but if it if an 8 year old boy wanted mm-hmm. to marry a 52 year old man or a 70 year old man who are they hurting? Because clearly mental health is not their highest priority because if it was, they wouldn't be pushing mm-hmm. um, uh, the uh, transsexual dysphoria. gender dysphoria and the rest of it. Nancy, a woman, can marry Tom. Yep. But Bill, a man, cannot. Yep. Yeah. Because the definition of marriage of marriage Mm-hmm. Is a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. So here, Nancy can do something that's Mary Tom mm-hmm. that Bill cannot. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, Bill could marry Nancy mm-hmm. yeah. or Amy, but nobody's saying that Bill can't get married. You, you right, just yeah. have to get married yeah. to a woman, right? <laughs> but Bill can't get married to Tom. It, you know. But then that's, Bill can't get married to Tom. That that's like people saying, "Well, a bachelor can't be married and still be a bachelor." That's discrimination. <laughs> That's, That's discrimination. True. Yeah. <laughs> I know some people that think they are. Yeah, okay. Simply because Nancy is a woman yep. and Bill is a man. But you know what else Nancy can do is have children mm-hmm. and Bill cannot. Mm-hmm. And simply because Nancy is a woman and Bill is a man. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. Just ask Bill Nye. So how yeah. can we think that this form of discrimination is okay when we wouldn't discriminate against race, color, race? <laughs> All a of those black are unchangeable. Lady and a white guy can get married. Mm-hmm. A black guy and a black guy can't get married. A black guy and a white guy can't get married. No. You can you can say it this way. A white lady. You and could a black say guy a a woman and a man could get married. A woman with more melatonin or whatever in her skin yeah. mm-hmm. can get married to somebody with less. Mm-hmm. 
But still, there's that XXXY or YY, yeah. whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still a woman The and thing man. Bill Nye taught us back in the 90s. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Which science has finally... Science! Finally... Oh, set us straight. Religion? We have to see that all forms of discrimination Why? are the same. Why do we have to? Because <laughs> he says we do. Okay. Second, love is a basic human right for all people. Whoa! Where? Where is that listed? <clears throat> Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Love. I don't see love in that. A no, basic, basic right. Basic human right. A basic human right like air, like food, like water. Is that or a human what right? Is, is food a human right? Well, according to them. Th- I mean, this is this is further. You would think that Maslow's uh, hierarchy of need, that the basic human rights would be at the very base of it, you know, Um People should have have um, water. I mean, um, um, air. They should uh, not be deliberately kept away from those things that would keep them alive. Um, and then in love, <laughs> and then love, <clears throat> and it's recognized internationally. What? Whoa! 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 Okay discriminate against race, color, religion, we have to see that all forms of discrimination Why? are the I'm same. I'm sorry. We are already there. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Second, love is a basic human right for all people and is recognized internationally. But from where? Internationally. <laughs> that is so, that, that's the dumbest statement in the world. It's recognized internationally. Really? So that means one nation to another nation understands that's what that means? Mm. Or or is he trying Mm. to elude that everyone else except the dumb United States says love is his basic human right? That's what he's trying Mm. to say. Mm -hmm. Marriage is recognized internationally for both gay and straight marriages. And the U.S. needs to adopt this to stay a leader in the global system. Uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia, uh, India. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Yemen, mm-hmm. is it basic human right there? Yeah, no, he's talking about France mm-hmm. and we're England, Denmark, Where else? Denmark, probably. Holland. Where else? Canada, yeah. Society, <laughs> Amnesty International states that this non-discrimination principle has been interpreted by UN treaty bodies. Okay, so we're just going to start listing people that say something. Um, (laughs) Are we allowed to list organizations that say the opposite of what you're going to say? No, Amnesty International. Intergovernmental human rights bodies as prohibiting discrimination based on gender or sexual orientation. Pedophilia? Pedophilia, why not? It's an orientation nowadays. So... Is the UN going to support that? Yeah. They probably already do. Yeah. Non-discrimination on the grounds of sexual orientation has therefore become an internationally recognized principle. So in the U.S., if we keep trying to ignore something that is recognized internationally as a basic human right, how are we going to stay on top as a world leader in the global society? Because we're stronger and better than the rest. That's why, buddy. I'm sorry. Go USA. On to my Sorry. last point. Marriage is about love and not just having babies. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> now, it should be. 
What? About love. I mean, that, that should be a key component. Okay. I mean, in an ideal marriage. Right. But love is not just a fuzzy feeling in your tummy. Exactly. If it were, then there are many other couples that should be from, prevented from getting married as well, such as infertile couples or those just wishing to not have children. But I, he- I heard a guy explain that very well, and I won't do it as good as he did, but he said... <coughs> Couples that can't conceive are the abnormality. Mm-hmm. Marriage is, by definition, designed to propagate the the race. Yep, and a strong family structures Correct. will create a strong uh, governmental or, mm-hmm. or societal structure. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, it aff- it do- just doesn't affect one person. It affects everybody. Right. Go to the inner cities mm-hmm. where marriage. You know, only one out of three are actually married. And go in the middle of the night and walk down the street of of uh, one of the projects in Detroit, and you tell me right. <laughs> whether or not marriage yeah. is an important component. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's the these abnormalities. They it's the same reason. Well, abortion. What about rape and incest? How many? Per, what's the percentage of that that leads mm-hmm. to an abortion? Virtually zero. Yep. You but never, you never, reason. you never make a law based upon the aberration. No, or exactly the, right. Yeah. yeah, and that that's what that is. Yeah, couples that cannot conceive, typically, if they want children, then they go adopt. And here's huh. here's the thing with a, a homosexual, what he calls homosexual marriage. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between a civil union and a, a Homosexual marriage. Why Why are you pushing homosexual marriage? What is the point to it? To, why are you redefining the term to marriage? To usurp. Exactly. To, to change the, well, that, the that's family what structure. Well, that's yeah. what it's... Yeah, it's got nothing to do with actual, like, their their basic rights. But that's... You but what that is right. his? But what is his response going to be? <laughs> really? I don't think he has one. Exactly. The ability or desire to create offspring has never been a qualification for marriage. <laughs> uh, proper health has... I mean, you you uh, you can't you can't marry your sister. Yep, you can't marry a close cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, because the children you would make wouldn't survive. Did you know in um, was it in Pakistan? Pakistan? No, I think it's Pakistanis in Britain. Over fifty percent of them are married to their first cousin. Wow. Because consider the Hutterites. Mm-hmm. You have this... At some point, you run out of exactly of distance. Yeah. yeah. And um, the amount of birth defects and everything else increased dramatically. Well, sh- shouldn't society have an interest in decreasing that sort of thing? Anyways, I'm sorry. Keep going. Well, I, I know I've said this before, but governments have an interest... Absolutely. In perpetuating and incentivizing the propagation of the tax base. Governments really. have a, a have the their business is to discriminate. Because anytime you choose one thing over another, right. you're yeah. discriminating. Mm-hmm. So discrimination is not a bad thing. Of course it is. No. It is. No. Yes. <laughs> in the census or from census.gov back in 2012. Um, from 1970 through 2012, roughly 30% of all U.S. households 
were married couples without children. And in 2012, married couples without children <clears throat> outnumbered those married couples with children by 9%. Okay. So what what does that have to do I with I think that anything? just says that, well, and what does the census mean? Did they ever have children? Are the children now ha- out on their own? Mm-hmm. And maybe they're newlyweds and they don't have children yet? So mm-hmm. yes, they're unchildren couples and the older families don't have kids at home. So you bet that's going to be it. It's not these families that have no children. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to say that marriage is between a man and a woman strictly because that's how biology works, it's like saying that that creating babies is a must for marriage. Um, well, I don't want to have kids, um, but does that mean I shouldn't be able to get married to whoever I love? I just no, no. It, well, of course, what if of you course, love, you can get married. What to if you whoever. love your sister? But it has to be to a woman. Well, and um, but not just any woman. You can't marry your mother. You can't marry your sister. True. So. There's already discrimination yeah. against who I You've can already marry. limited the number of women right. that you can marry. Right. Or you I forgot your grandmother. Just... Can't marry your grandmother either. But great grandmother. Discrimination, <laughs> and we should not be um, discriminating against anybody. Why? So because of these three points, um, denying same-sex marriage is discrimination. Love is a basic human right for all people recognized internationally, and that marriage is about love and not just having babies. Um, I think it's pretty clear that same-sex marriage shouldn't even be an issue that we have to discuss this day and age. But yet, it's a minority of people that are being attacked every day. I couldn't agree more. Attacked by who? When was the last time anybody... And define attack. If, If I disagree with you, does that mean I'm attacking you? Evidently, that's what it means. If I think something different, that means I am attacking you. But when was the last time that you've seen anybody say anything negative about somebody who was homosexual? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're claiming. It's a straw, man. They're yelling, oh, they're, they hate us. They don't want us. Really? I don't hate people. But don't define, redefine terms and don't force me to teach my children that sin is not wrong. What they're doing, this is what they're doing. It would be equivalent of you walking up to somebody walking down the street and you slap him as hard as you can in the face and then when he runs after you you scream stop stop he's attacking me call (laughs) the police (laughs) that's exactly right yeah yeah i i also found this last little phrase interesting because for this for this stuff to be a problem the majority of people should have a problem with it Mm mm-hmm It shouldn't even be an issue that we have to discuss this day and age. But yet it's a minority of people that are being attacked. But yet it's a minority of people that are being attacked. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> Every day. I couldn't agree more with Macklemore um, in his song when he says, no freedom till we're equal. Damn right I support it. And although I may not be gay, you better believe I'm an ally and I definitely support it. He that, goes on to say... Oh, he pres- said that? No, Macklemore, oh. uh, a singer guy, rapper okay. dude. Apparently okay. wrote... That That was the first little rapping bit he did was like okay. this dude's thing. Okay. Play. Don't press pause. Progress, march on. We can't get stuck in the past. We need to be open. And let me tell you, my gay friends are some of the nicest and most genuine people I ever meet. What's that got to do with anything? Mm-hmm. That has nothing... Is he still quoting or is he speaking for himself? I think that must have been a quote. Okay. But either way, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. they're nice. 
They're nice. My non-gay friends are some of the most sweetest people Absolutely, I know. Absolutely, yeah. So, so who gives? Who cares? Yeah. So no law is going to change us. We have to change us. Whatever God you believe in, we come from the same one. That's true. But kind of. Kind of. Strip away the fear. Underneath, it's all the same love. And it's time that we raise up. It's time that we raise up, money. Strange. Same love. Same love. That's what it's called. Same love by Mackle Aimer. Um. <clears throat> I just uh, don't necessarily agree with his premises. Premises or premisi? Premies? <laughs> the points that he made. That's what I meant. Sorry. The, the question I had is when was love, when was marriage only based on love? When I was in the third grade, I thought that I was gay because I could draw. My uncle was and I kept my room Is straight. this the... This is the song he was quoting. Rushing down my face, she's like, Ben, you've loved girls since before pre-K. Tripping. Yeah, I guess she had a point, didn't she? Bunch of stereotypes all in my head. I remember doing the math, like, yeah, I'm good at Little League. A preconceived idea of what it all meant. But those that like the same sex have the characteristics. The right-wing conservatives think it's a decision. Uh, you can be cured with some treatment and religion. Man-made rewiring a hit? predisposition playing God. However you define oh, hit. Nah, here we go. America the brave still fears what we don't know. Uh, God loves our I think I know <laughs> the mechanics involved in homosexual activity. So, but listen to the hook. Listen to the hook. Listen to the lady. Sorry. Somehow forgotten, but we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. I don't know. And I can't change. Yes, that's true. On our own, we can't change. We continue to sin and fail, mm -hmm. always. Mm -hmm. There's only one way for change. Exactly. And that ain't some gay marriage drivel. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus. But the, and I, I'm just... It, it causes me pain. It's sad. It saddens me that this is where we're at. This happened on Monday. Which was five, six days ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. So then, let's go through the comments. Ready? Very good point. Hi. Rock on. It wasn't about water fountains with blacks and whites couldn't drink the same water. And it's not about men marrying men or women to women. Now, it's all about the conservative mindset of fear. The fear that their superiority or values will be undermined because another group now has equal rights. Thankfully, equality happens eventually, and those who choose to live in the past are left in the past. Huh. Yeah. 
Well, maybe I'm attacking them, but I disagree. Oh, oh, oh. so you hate them? Yeah, so I thought so. Evidently, Good. Yeah. my hatred yeah. is hater. 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 Sorry, hater. I'm just gonna start calling you hater. 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 David Hi. the hater. David the hater. Hey. Hater. It's me. Hello. Hello. All right. Um. Once again. Whoa! What? Wait a second. No. Did we miss it? I can't believe it. What? Sale or something? I think we missed it. Oh, I can't believe this. We went on too long. What did we miss? Oh, never mind. We're back. A remarkable 1.1 degree centigrade above the pre-industrial period, sharply above the previous record. Oh, get down, get funky. Approaching the desired. This is democracy now. Democracy No. Who's this guy? That was November 8th. At that point, the deliberations ended. Uh, the electoral results came know. in Ooh. from the United States, and the meeting shifted to another question. Bill Can Nye? the world survive when the richest, oh, Al Gore? powerful country in world history uh, with Ted Nugent? advantages, and not only I can go on forever like this from the effort Who to is try it? to save the world from destruction, but is undertaking a sp- dedicated commitment no to race to the scared. precipice as oh as boy <laughs> that was like three uh, or four down uh, I mean I was uh, I was moving in that direction uh, the countries <laughs> of the world were looking for a savior uh, China uh, looking I, I, to China I was hoping that this was the more of the people's the march disa- but um oh no is that right Oh, yeah, Noam. Noam is speaking at the People's Climate March. Yeah. It was also an astonishing event. Saturday, April 29, Democracy and I will provide special live coverage of the People's March in Washington, D.C., organized to protest the Trump administration's climate change denying agenda. Um, so I just wanted to kind of check back in before we wrapped up the show on what's happening with the People's Climate March. Let's jump on to the Twitter. And see if we have um, anything fun. Okay. Oh, uh, top. Donald J. Trump. At real Donald Trump. Mainstream fake media refuses to state our long list of achievements, including 28 legislative signings, strong borders, and great optimism. Now, wait a second. Really? Come on, Donald. Optimism? Is a success an achievement? We have great, great optimism. <laughs> great optimism. It's huge. It's huge and it's tremendous. That optimism we have and the strong borders are fantastic. Turkey bans dating shows and it fires 4,000 officials under an emergency. Wow. No more dating shows in Turkey. Brazil cleans up littered streets after a turbulent protest. Brazil. I don't even, I don't know. I don't even want, oh, 
What? What? Never mind. What? You think we're going to go to war with North Korea? No. Do you think North Korea actually can do anything to us? Not to us. I mean, they have a lot of artillery and missiles and stuff like that. But, you know, understand they have very obsolete, uh, you know, weaponry and whatnot. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> they're not an, an existential threat to us at all. So what is the problem? I don't. I don't know. Maybe they want to put an oil pipeline through North Korea or something like that. So they have hmm. to come up with a pretext to uh, to do that. I don't know. I don't know. I just find it interesting. And I mean, at least for me, it's kind of disheartening that. They're pushing things so so much with North Korea. Who? Uh, Trump. Is he? Well, it appears that way. Well, but is he doing it, or is this just more media, could, whatever, fabrication? Well, I don't know. Because so, if you listen to people that are on the kind of have an inside look of the North Koreans, they don't want war. They want to be looked at as a legitimate country. And opened up for tourism. Well, really? You think North Korea does? I mean, the average person is brainwashed. Uh, Donald Gregg was the ambassador to South Korea mm -hmm. during the H.W. Bush term. Mm -hmm. And he says that the North Koreans just want to be looked at as legitimate and they want to be an equal country in the world. Well, I I would think... And they don't want... They're not out for war to kill people and to, you know, nuke countries. Well, I don't think that they they could even if they wanted to. I don't well, think... that's the way the news media makes it sound. Well, yeah. Huh? They have nuclear warheads. They're test-firing nukes. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I... I just don't, for the life of me, I don't know how any of this could end well. I mean, because, I mean, you don't, the only, the only positive thing, it, it doesn't appear that uh, China is really backing North Korea, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why things happen the way they did in the Korean Wars, because, chi because of China. Mm. I mean, we were winning... And then China came into uh, uh, North Korea's assistance. Mm -hmm. So, but <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. If you're interested in what, apparently on Book TV, as I I heard this, J John Cedarborak talked about this uh, on <clears throat> Thursday's No Agenda podcast. Um, there's a book coming out called Drain the Swamp, How Washington Corruption is Worse Than You Think. It's from a Representative Ken Buck uh, from Colorado. Mm. And he sits down for an hour and 50 minutes with Book TV, and they have an interview about the book. Um, 
but there's some intriguing pieces in there that I don't have the exact clip from. Um, but, um, about the dues you owe in order to be on committees. Oh. And how you get paid. And you get wined and dined. And that basically the lobbyists and special interests pay those dues. They throw money into you and then you have to pay the your respective um, national party. So Democrats pay the Democrats. Republicans pay the Republican party. Upwards of million two for chairmanships. $800,000. You... You mean you literally you, it's bribe. A you, oh, yeah. Oh, here's your seat, and here's what you owe us. So. <laughs> so how, how does that work? Well, I don't know. And they, you know, on the, the show, they were talking about that, and that wasn't a, I mean... Hmm. They when, when did this start? Who knows? Um, but hold. Let's see if I can search it. Um, sorry, I'm on uh, C-SPAN. Sorry to hear that. Problem solving I wait a second. Wait a second, Noam. Noam Chomsky's still talking. Mm. Go Noam. Steep dues that members must pay to the. House Republican campaign committees to secure and and retain their seats on influential committees. And so I wonder if you can talk us through the dues that are required, how they climb depending on the importance of, of the committee and, and how you deal with it when, and what your dues are. Sure. So the uh, both the uh, Republican Party and the Democrat Party have dues based on committee assignments. And so uh, if you are on an A committee like uh, appropriations, ways. This guy has a fantastic voice, by the way. Yeah. And means energy and commerce. Uh, the dues for a uh, Republican uh, this this Congress, the 115th Congress, uh, are four hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars per person. Um, on a on a B or C committee, uh, the dues are two hundred thousand dollars per person. If you want to be a chair of an A committee, you have to pay one point two million dollars in <laughs> in dues for that uh, for that privilege. So. Uh, the way cow. you earn those uh, dues, the way you raise that money, is you have uh, events in Washington, D.C. You have receptions. And uh, the, oh. the lobbyists uh, representing special interests come to those receptions and uh, donate money to you. Now, if you don't vote with the lobbyists, lobbyists don't show up to, to those receptions. So it's a way to coerce uh, oh. members uh, by, by having uh, uh, outrageous dues of... $850,000 or $1.2 million, it's a way to coerce members to, uh, to vote um, as uh, lobbyists and special interests want you to vote. So you are on an A committee. I am on an A committee. Rules committee. Yes. And you pay your dues. I pay my dues. So how do you pay those dues when you describe a system in which you feel as though lobbyists are, are asking you to vote in a certain way? How do you, I mean, what do you do? Um, I, I am fortunate in Colorado. Uh, we have two events uh, in the fall of <laughs> We of have local Colorado people pay our cycle. dues. Uh, we have uh, private individuals come together uh, for those events and uh, support the, the four Republican members of uh, the House of Representatives um, at those events. And I so, had no idea. Um, I, don't, um, I don't hold receptions uh, for the purpose of, of uh, paying my dues mm -hmm. uh, to the NRCC. 
and I am, uh, uh, along with uh, the other three members from Colorado, uh, we have our dues paid by uh, holding those two events. Here's what I want to know. What kind of dues are there to be the Speaker of the House? Yeah, yeah. And the Minority Leader? And then in the Senate? Yeah. What in the world kind of dues are on? Like the Judiciary Committee? Are you serious? Yeah. What in the world? Two million? What's that cost? Well, two million, that seems like chump change. Oh, sure. But just to, to you, you get the appointment. Here you go. You're on this committee. And, oh, here's the bill. Hmm. But at those events, do you sort of interact with lobbyists? Do you feel as though they are trying to uh, influence the Colorado delegation as a group in any way? Um, uh, actually, and, I, and I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think any lobbyists attend those events. I, I can't remember huh. a lobbyist. Are you so, kidding me? Uh, we have individuals that of support course the they Republican do. Party yeah. and, and, yeah. and individuals that believe that the Republicans should be in the majority. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I think that, uh, and, and, and let me back up. Um, I don't think it's wrong to uh, expect members of the House to raise money for the party to, to try to win the majority. Um, the same thing with the Democrats. I think that is, is just part of the reality of politics. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite part of, of politics, but it is part of politics. What I find offensive is the, the linkage between raising money and assignment to committee, mm -hmm. raising money and a chairmanship, raising money and being in leadership. Um, I think there has to be uh, a merit-based system in place to decide who gets on what committee. If you've been a doctor for 30 years and you show up to Congress, you have an expertise. And that expertise is needed on the Energy and Commerce nope, Committee. Nope, not unless you can pay your dues. Uh, it is not uh, whether you can pay more money than the doctor. Uh, that shouldn't be the determining factor on whether you make yeah. this committee or not. Yeah. You ever heard of Charlie Rangel? Yeah, what a tool. Sheila Jackson Lee? Yeah. What kind of committee? What kind of anything she's got? Old Elijah Cummings. What the heck's he on there for? Oh yeah. What about the one who Al worried Franken. that that uh, Guam was going to tip over? <laughs> what about that? <laughs> right. So that's a committee. That yeah. means there were dues owed. They paid what two hundred thousand dollars for that seat. Holy cow! So is there anybody on any of the committees who doesn't have a seat? I mean, uh, anybody in the House of Representatives? Who doesn't hit? Who's there not any, on a committee? Yeah, who's not on a committee? No, I th well, I think that's the point. You get there, then you get on committees because that's how you can make change. So, can you imagine the cash that flows into the National Republican and the National Democrat parties from that alone? No. My goodness. Yeah, it was just insane. But um, Adam and John on the No Agenda show dig into that a little deeper, and it's just fascinating. Um, it's horrible. It is <laughs> corruption at its worst. Yeah. And I think they like likened it to the mob. Yeah. Hey, yo, give us, you know. Yeah. Give us some kickback. So I, uh, anyway, that's episode 924 of that No Agenda show. Um, if you're interested, it's near the end of the show. But um, anyway, <coughs> this, this is the David Allen show. Oh, this is. Uh, this is, yeah. And uh, I think we're going to have to come to a close. We didn't uh, have I to do any kickbacks in order. Or, well, as no, far as people know. No, we did not get controlled by any corporate media or any corporate advertiser or any advertiser. <laughs> this, uh, this show brought to you by the we love. We don't have any money. <laughs> brought to you by just the sheer love, uh, joy oh. we get out of talking about this. Oh, nonsense. love. 
because ha. that's what love you need is a in a basic podcast. Human right. Yeah. It's the same love, everybody. Hey oh. This is the David Allen Show. Uh DavidAllenshow.com. Um any last thoughts on these craziness that we have going on? Uh come on, it's gotta be something, right? I'm against it. You, oh oh. Yep. I'll 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 go out on a limb. I'm against I'm against it. Same same love? You're against I'm same against love? love. How can that be? How can that be? I'm against love. Okay, fine. This is the David Allen Show. This is, we're going to wrap this up. Hey, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Woo! David Allen Show at gmail.com if you're interested in giving oh, us a, uh, a kick. Uh, <laughs> you, want to, you want to talk to us, just do it. Yeah, just, just, just say hi. Use your words. Okay. I'm Alan, he's David. This is the David Allen Show. See you later. Toodles.